Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome you again to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast right here on iTunes and SoundCloud. My name is Brendan Johnson. I am your host and joining me this week is Ryan Pay. But Aaron Johnson, he didn't get the human resources approval, but he took a vacation this week. Aaron, where you at? Where you at, Aaron? Didn't tell us he wasn't going to be here till later on in the day. Yeah, he, I mean... Glad he's not here. Awesome, Aaron. He's like the NBA guy. He's out on the West Coast. Just taking just, the game off. Yeah. I'm just going to sit out a couple games, take a rest. You just need to get away from it, right? Yeah, just, I need a break, all right? I've been hustling too hard. Okay, Aaron. <laughs> all right, buddy. Well, it is Ryan and I again on episode number 25 here of the Palace of Pistons podcast. And Ryan, again, it's the off season, so it's a little slow in the Pistons world, but we've still got content to discuss because that's just what we do. can I cut you off real quick? You can. I would be remiss... If I didn't bring up the fact that uh, somebody on the pod just turned 21, and that somebody is Brendan. Happy birthday, Brendan. It's Brendan's birthday. It's Brendan's birthday. Oh, thank you very much. Is uh did celebrate the big 2-1 this week. How nutty did you get? Well, listen, we... Um, get a little crazy? You know, I don't remember, and I think that's good. Ooh, that's a good 21st. <laughs> you know, you and I still have to go out, have a good time, oh, celebrate we, that 21st. We certainly will. Oh, you know it's and going And you know down. that this piston season could bring out a lot of drinking. Oh, it definitely could. Maybe more could. than we should. It just might. <laughs> so we'll definitely get into that. Um, well, maybe advancing ahead throughout this NBA season, it'll be interesting to see how the Pistons start, but... We're going to skip all the way to Christmas Day, and we're bringing up snow, of course, in Michigan in August that just kind of fits. But the NBA did announce the Christmas Day slate for this year, and just to run through it with everybody, leading off at 12 o'clock, it's going to be the Bucks versus the Knicks. Just why? Wasting a spot on the what? Knicks. I, what a waste. Whatever. Then a good game, 3 o'clock, Thunder, Rockets, um, always Love a good matchup. It. It'll be a great game in the Western Conference. I think you get a good Eastern Conference matchup, 76ers in Boston at 5.30. Uh, 8 o'clock, Lakers, Warriors, LeBron versus Golden State, intriguing. Then the nightcap at 10.30, it's the Blazers versus the Jazz. Now, Aaron, even though took a little vacation day from the pod, uh, did come out with a tweet, and he said, if I made my Christmas Day schedule, it would have been this. Sixers at Celtics, Thunder at Houston, Warriors at Lakers, but then he had two switches. The first one, he would have went the Nuggets at the Bucks, and then he would have given maybe the most intriguing matchup, the Raptors versus the Spurs. And it brings up a point of, A, thoughts on the Christmas Day schedule, and B, how intriguing would that have been to see Kawhi Leonard either go to San Antonio or... Or the Spurs come to Toronto up in the north for Christmas Day and those two to battle out. Either DeMar DeRozan returns to Toronto, Kawhi goes back to San Antonio. It would have been intriguing. Oh, I uh, I think the NBA definitely dropped the ball on this one, Brandon. I don't mind the schedule. It's okay. The Knicks on Christmas, what are we doing? What is this? And to be honest, the Bucks too. I the know Bucks, they had Giannis, I, but I, at the same time, what have they the done? At the same time, I don't really understand that. I'm not overly a fan of that either i don't mind this christmas schedule but the ball was definitely dropped having toronto go to san antonio on christmas would have been electric 
That would have been fantastic to see Kawhi Leonard back in San Antonio on Christmas Day. Gosh, that's great TV. The NBA is so good at marketing. How did they miss this? Because if you did it right, you would have had that game slotted in somewhere, right? Um, And you would have had a really good slate. Toronto, San Antonio, Lakers, Warriors. Going back-to-back. Games, those two games going back-to-back. Of course, you're going to do LeBron and the Warriors in primetime. Mm-hmm. Obviously, without a doubt, 100%. But to have the game leading up to that one being San Antonio and uh, Toronto, gosh, damn it. That would have been great TV. Think if they bumped that 76ers-Boston game to noon. Then they go Thunder Rockets at 3. You could move the Lakers Warriors to 5.30. Then you slide in Toronto and San Antonio at that 8 o'clock. And then your nightcap. I'm fine with the Blazers and Jazz. That's a quality matchup out of the Western Conference. It doesn't uh, it doesn't get me thrilled, but it's a quality basketball game. I'm not going to complain right. about that right. selection. you know. Um, but I really think a Toronto-San Antonio matchup on Christmas Day would have been interesting, and it's just really disappointing. That noon game, to me, is still a snooze fest. The NBA is about storylines. It's like wrestling at this point. All of entertainment's like wrestling at this mm-hmm. point. Storylines push everything. The great storyline would have been kicking it off with the Young Guns, uh, Philly and Boston, and then going on with uh, the Thunder and the Rockets doing their thing, Carmelo. And then you have, right there, Toronto and San Antonio. And that middle battle, of the day. middle of the day, perfect. Right into primetime with Golden State and LeBron and the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, how do you drop that ball? Oh, it's frustrating. I am frustrated right now, Brendan. You know, think about it, 5.30, Christmas dinner, you enjoy your Christmas gifts, and you see Kawhi go back to San Antonio. Or you see DeMar DeRozan return to Toronto. It just, it's disappointing. It's great TV. You can't write it any more perfectly than that. And yet they didn't do it. And even if they were going to take a different Eastern Conference game, I feel like there has to be a better selection they could have made. Even if you would have went something like the Bucks and the Heat, right? Right. A more quality matchup. Maybe you still throw Cleveland in there with Kevin Love and uh, you see where they're at middle of the year. That's their last kind of big plug and if they're just kind of shit in the bed, then you move on. But to go with the Knicks... The Knicks. What? Even the Nets. The right. Nets are more exciting. They are than the Knicks. There's no draw. There's no excitement with the Knicks. If you're going to put the Bucks in there, I get it. We want to push, uh, push Giannis. Of course we do. He's the next star in the NBA. A big time star, I should say. He already is a star. And you want to push him. I get that. But you got to do it with someone more compelling than the Knicks. I understand. Big market, New York. Yada, yada, yada. Give even, me a break. Even if you would have taken the Sixers and had them play the Bucks, and then you would have had Toronto go play Boston. Even that, that, that would have been, been good times. That, but the NBA, so fixed on the big money market, as anyone would be, any league would be. Still just really depressing, man. So now this raises the question for the fans in Detroit. If the Pistons were granted a Christmas Day game, would the fans get into it? And not by tuning in on TV. Let's let's go hypothetical here. Let's say the NBA says Detroit gets a Christmas Day game, one of their five slots, at home. But if Detroit does not sell out the game, they're on a five- or seven-year 
you could call it probation, from ever being considered for a Christmas Day game again, regardless if they're the number one team in the league or the absolute worst team in the league or somewhere in between. If they had to sell that game out, would Pistons fans go? Would Pistons fans buy into the average attendance around 12,000 last year down at Little Caesars Arena? Would they go? I would have to say probably not. I really don't think so. What would now, draw you there? Now, it depends. For me, it depends on how good the team is. If we're rocking and rolling, that team is is healthy, everyone's cohesive, and that ball's just moving around, and the Pistons look fantastic, that would get me there. You know, they're, they're hanging around second, third, fourth at that time, fifth maybe in the, uh, in the Eastern Conference, but they're really battling. You can tell this is a team that uh, – that definitely has something going for it, then sure. I would go. I would be more than drawn to it. But you got to think, what are the Pistons going to look like? Where exactly are they going to be at, at that point in the season? And just based off last year's attendance numbers, if they're not one of the top teams, people aren't going to go. No, they're not because they don't care enough. And you have good enough college basketball in the state of Michigan as well that they don't, they don't need to go to get that basketball, Phil, because they're exposed to enough elsewhere, right? right? So moving on from Christmas Day and kind of now reverting back to this offseason and while it's still warm here in the great state of Michigan, um, the Pistons this offseason, really interesting with their front office. They went from not having a general manager after firing Stan Van Gundy, going into the draft with Stefanowski as... Or Stefanski is the is the guy, but not really the guy, not officially. But they've been able to construct a pretty solid front office. Just a very odd offseason for the Pistons. But you have to think over the last few years, right? And it's been questioning front office moves. It's been questioning the direction of Stan. And now without a general manager, they are able to put together this solid front office. It's it's peculiar, Brendan. I don't know how else to explain it. Going into the offseason, I, I believe, just like many other Pistons fans, were like, where are we even going at this point? Front office, team, everything. Cap-strapped. Gorst seemed to have no clue what he was doing with anything. Stan Van fired so late that who knew? We all thought Stan Van might be coming back. For them to make the moves they made, it's just... It's such a revamped front office. I'm I'm excited about it. I like the moves. To go out and get a coach of the year without to get a GM. The coach of the year without a GM. Stefanski, who has um, been proving himself to be quite the leader in the front office. It's just, they brought in Malik Rose because we know they're grooming him. From all, all, everything I've read, he's the next big time uh, shot caller in the front offices in the NBA. So just to see these moves they're making, it's it's peculiar, but I like it. Yeah, it's very weird. But, you know, I think it raises a larger question. The Pistons going into the offseason had no real direction, right? We weren't sure where they were going to go. We weren't sure they were going to go in terms of a coach, in terms of a GM. And this is post-firing Stan Van Gundy, of course. Um, we weren't sure what they were going to do in the draft. And there were a lot of questions to be answered. Now seeing how the front office has kind of played out. Knowing what your roster is going to look like going into the season. Should Pistons fans be happy with where this team is headed, with where this franchise is headed? 
And I don't mean just in looking at it as a single season view. I'm talking about the big picture here, the large scope. As a Pistons fan, are you happy with the direction? Or would you have been doing this totally different? I would have to say, I think I like where their head's at. Last uh, last night they brought in Sachin Gupta from the Houston Rockets as their new assistant GM. They've hired Malik Rose, like we said. Stefanski seems to be putting a team together. I know they're trying to win now. That's kind of their goal. That was the whole reason Dwayne Casey was brought in. And I understand they're cash-strapped with uh, the contract of Blake Griffin. So it might be hard to look into the future, but they've got some young guys in the front office right now. That tells me they're not only working for now, but they are looking ahead and seeing what they can do to build this team up for the future. And I can't lie, it kind of excites me. Well, that's the thing. You know, I've never been a huge fan of this win-now approach from the Pistons because I've not felt they had the core to do it. No, because they have not had the core to do it. And I still think they don't. No, they don't. I agree. Because when we've talked in the past in the previous podcast, we talked about how a four seeds the ceiling. Hosting Mm -hmm. a playoff series would be, you know, the ultimate for the Pistons this season. That's that's the preseason optimistic view, right? I just don't like that. And I don't think as a Pistons fan that I, I should be content with that. Now, that's the direction they're going. And I am happy with the way this offseason has gone because they've been able to add some wing depth, which is important. They've been able to shape their front office and add some younger pieces to that front office. They've been able to bring some experienced guys in, starting with the head coach, bringing a guy like Arnie Kander back is huge as well. Um, but it, it just, to me, it's a tough spot that the Pistons are in. Because they can't win a championship, at least we don't believe they can win a championship, but they're not the worst team in the East either. In the Eastern Conference, this team should make the playoffs. But as a Pistons fan, is that all we're happy with, is just making the playoffs? No. My ceiling has always been, my whole life, championship or bust. I'm not okay with, oh, we made it to the second round and we got bounced, or hey, we made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, It's championship or bust for me. It's always been that way. So... Yes, I agree with you. The direction of the team going in this win-now approach, I don't like it. But it's something Stefanski has inherited from Stan Van and that former regime. And he really has nowhere to go right now with it. Now, I get there's no such thing as a non-movable contract in the NBA. But the Pistons are pretty strapped for where they're at right now. Nobody's taking that deal of Andre's. No, no one's moving that. Nobody's taking that Blake Griffin deal. No. Nobody's taking that. Not at all. Unless if you're somebody like the Pistons. Right, exactly. Someone who can get swindled because they are trying to save their jobs. Right. Trying to win so badly and just save face. And all of it goes back to Tom Gores. It all does. Because Tom Gores is in this win-now mode. And listen, there's an appreciation, I think, from Detroit and the people in Detroit that, you know, the Pistons are playing downtown. They're embracing the city. They're trying to embrace the culture. And... Um, be part of that driving force of continuing to revitalize the city of Detroit. That's awesome. That's great. But that's all the business view of Tom Gores, and that's nothing to do with actual Pistons basketball because it has nothing to do with the quality of basketball because that really doesn't matter. It just doesn't. It's all about business. It's all about trying to create a face in the city. Um, But I'm just disappointed with the way Tom Gores has handled things as the Pistons owner and the way the Pistons have gone under Stan Van Gundy. And I'm intrigued 
to see where Stefanski can continue to take this thing and how he could try to right ship. Because the Pistons are in a spot right now where they're one move away from blowing it up, but maybe they're just one move away from becoming a real contender as well. It it all depends on the offseason work of Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson and how well they mesh truly with Blake Griffin, followed up by Stanley Johnson, of course. But I don't know. I think I think you're exactly right, Brendan. You said it perfectly. It's intriguing, but we don't really like the whole direction. No, we don't. But how important is Reggie Jackson's health? This oh season my gosh! To the he, if he's not healthy, this team is in so much trouble. I'm sorry. Ish is a nice little player for the street, like the street ball league. He is not a winning NBA point guard. And then Jose Calderon being your number two if Reggie Jackson goes down? I'd, we've discussed this before. Give me a break. It's not happening. Reggie Jackson is so important. He's the floor general. Right. And they need him to score. He's a scorer as well. Well, here's here's something. It's going to be interesting to see how, and we talked about this a little bit, Dwayne Casey on previous podcast, how Dwayne Casey handles his management of lineups, right? Mm-hmm. Because... You know, you hope that you have Reggie Jackson playing north of 70 games this year. Oh, you need to. He has to. He has to, right? But the Pistons are a unique spot to where their best lineup may be a small ball approach when you could put Bullock and Kennard on the floor at the same time. But then that creates a major imbalance of the second unit with Glenn Robinson, Henry Allenson, Stanley Johnson, a lot more forwards, right? So less shooting and maybe a little more defense and then... Um, slashers in that mix. It'll be really interesting to see how Dwayne Casey approaches working the lineups with Reggie Jackson healthy, of course, and then what he has to do if Jackson is to go down again. It will be interesting to see. I do. I love the idea of the small ball lineup with this team. Honestly, I think that's one of your your better chances. I like the idea of Blake playing center mm-hmm. with maybe a Glenn Robinson at the four. Yep. Um, with Kennard and Bulk, two sharpshooters. They need that. This team is pretty much lacking shooting for the most part everywhere. Langston Galloway's supposed to be a shooter. He was throwing up bricks all last year. And that's really, that's about it. Who else is really a shooter outside of Bullock and Kennard on the team? There's not many. Everybody says that Stanley Johnson can be, but we haven't seen it consistent enough. Dude throws up bricks consistently. We've talked about it. I, I know he's putting the work in, and I hope it's coming along, but he is nowhere near... A consistent enough shooter. He's just not a shooter right now. And one thing that I've thought about with the approach of the small ball lineup, I think it's something you could start with. And the way Stan kind of handled Marcus Morris and Tobias Harris on the floor at the same time when he was in Detroit, I thought was interesting. You know, he could start them both, and then he could pull Tobias or pull Marcus, and then allow one of them to play a little more with the second unit, and then um, shift them back and forth, but be able to go with that lineup of them together as well. And I think Dwayne Casey's going to have to take a similar approach in the stance that he can run that small ball lineup, but then Kennard or Bullock is going to have to come off the floor, Glenn Robinson or Stanley is going to have to come on the floor, and then they can help balance out that second unit. Another thing, I think Stanley's a fine backup power forward option. Then you can move Henry Ellenson to backup center, and you don't got to touch Lure or Zaza Pachulia, at least on a regular night. And you had that second unit of, Ellenson at the five who could stretch the floor a little bit. Stanley Johnson now can more focus on just 
playing his defensive role, guarding whichever position he has to. You can put Glenn Robinson on the floor, so that way if there's a mismatch defensively, you add some size. You've got Bullock sharp shooting at the two, and Ishu can run a little bit of an offense around the pick and pop with Allenson. He can get some rolls. He can get Glenn Robinson slashing in the mix. Now you have a little bit more balance. I think that might be an approach you see Dwayne Casey take, uh, at least through the early part of the season. I wouldn't be mad at that approach at all. Uh, not a big fan of Ellenson. <laughs> what are we going to do? And, what are we going to do? And by the way, yes, that there, was very was intentional. Mentioned. I know that was so intentional. You could see it in your face when you brought it up. You could see it. The guy wanted to bring up the name. I'm telling you, Aaron's out on the West Coast, you know, just sitting by not, the beach, and he's not going to be happy. Head. Not going to be happy. He's going to pop this on, throw his phone right in the water. Nonsense. Get out of here, Aaron. Where are you at? Yeah, vacation. Vacation. Huh? Jeez, man. Stop taking games off. But anyway, back to the small ball lineup. I love the idea of that. I really do. I think getting Ish with Kennard or Bullock on the floor together, along with Stanley and Glenn on the floor, with Ellenson, or maybe even if you have uh, Dre in there for some pick and roll, or maybe even if it's Blake playing center. Mm-hmm. Something where you have one big and then the floor. I think there's so much room. You can space the floor. You can get your shooter shots, finally. And especially with Ish. I know I just badmouthed him, but he is good at driving the lane. And his driving lane can open up those up perimeter shots for your sharpshooters in Kennard mm-hmm. and in uh, um, Bullock. Excuse me. I think Detroit needs to take the approach of being the best three and D team in the Eastern Conference, right? Because Boston, I think so. yeah. Boston, you've got a lot of guards that can drive. I mean, you have some kickout ability. You know, and Al Horford who stretches the floor, Gordon Hayward, of course, and Kyrie Irving. But Irving likes to get to the basket. Right, Jason Tatum likes to get to the basket, can hit the outside shot, but prefers to drive. So they're more of a rim attacking team. The Sixers, well, Ben Simmons ain't no three point threat. Absolutely, so not. they're not really a three and D kind of team. You look at Toronto; they're a little bit more of a threat to the Pistons. But again, Kawhi has you know developed his three point shot in his well now two years ago um, worked on developing that three point game, but. We have not seen it consistently, and we still don't know what we're going to get out of Kawhi uh, when he returns from injury. So if Detroit could find a way to establish an identity, and I think that that was missing in the Stan Van Gundy era. There was no identity. It was just get to the playoffs. I don't care how we do it. We're just trying for the playoffs. And I think That's if Dwayne, so true. I think if Dwayne Casey could help bring an identity to the Detroit Pistons, they could have some success. Some sort of culture. Some sort of identity. You're so right about the Stan Van area. It, as much as I like Stan, I like Stan Van. I, thought, I think he is a fine coach. Not a great front office uh, man. But I do think he's a pretty fairly good coach. I think he does have the respect of his players. He's maybe just a little old school in, the, in how he coaches the game. I'll say I think Detroit needed Stan Van Gundy. I think for the way that organization was going, they needed a guy to bring in a different approach they needed a guy that had playoff experience. They needed a guy that was going to be a little more old school to get on some of the young guys. But he was only going to take this team so far. They right? needed that strong approach, and that's what he was. They needed that that bit of a culture change, right? Yes. Because the Pistons for several years, the John Kuster era, um, and the Mo Cheeks say era, any, the no, Lawrence say Frank no more. era, say right? No more. It was it was just abysmal, and there right. was no direction. There was no identity. And Stan Van Gundy came in and never developed, I don't think, a true identity, but he did develop some sort of direction. And that direction was, we're going to make the playoffs. Yes. might be ugly, 
We might be under 500, but we're going to have our objective to be to make the playoffs and no shame about it. Absolutely, yeah. That's exactly what it was. Exactly. Dwayne Casey now has the job to come in, take over this organization, and build an identity that not only are we going to make the playoffs, we're going to host playoff series, we're going to win playoff series, we're going to contend in the Eastern Conference. And again, you look at the top teams in the East. All three have pieces that are injury-prone. You look at um, Boston. You have both Hayward and Irving who are coming back off of big-time injuries. More so Hayward, right? right. But Irving at the end of the year had Still, a big injury. Missed, all that time. You know, missed a lot of the playoffs. Had to miss, right? So you have that. You don't know what you're getting out of Kawhi. And if Kawhi comes back and is shaky and not at 100% and takes some time, you have some time to maybe jump on the Raptors a little bit. And you look at Philadelphia. Joel Embiid, still not at a point where he could play every night. Nope. And um, you don't know when he's going to take that step. You don't know when Markel Fultz is going to be 100% healthy. Uh, and obviously, they just continued to have the injury bl- uh, bug. It was what, Zaire Smith, who just hurt it's not his, even... fractured his foot? Like It's just impressive at this point, this kind of streak. It's unreal. Don't get me wrong. I wish Noel will on a player. Never want to see him injured. Absolutely. But... You just got to tip your hat to the streak at this point. It's unreal how this was working out for Philadelphia. So for the Pistons, if they could create an identity that, hey, we're going to be the best 3 and D team in the league, and they could steal some games, maybe they could steal some games from West Coast opponents that come to town or when they take a West Coast trip, and find a way to work their spot of a, a 3 or 4 seed, depending on potential injuries in the East, the Pistons could find a way to very realistically be in the Eastern Conference Final. Now, I know that's crazy, because they could also find a way to be the ninth seed. Oh, absolutely. They absolutely, absolutely. could find a way to be the ninth seed, because you still have to get by the teams like Milwaukee, Miami, who finds a way to get in the playoffs. Um, Washington. Washington, the Pacers. Pacers. So, you know, there's going to be teams in the way, no doubt about it. But, you look at the top of the East, if the Pistons can build that identity, and Dwayne Casey and his staff can have that kind of effect that we feel like they can... The Pistons realistically could be an Eastern Conference contender. And I agree. I absolutely agree. But there's so many factors that go into that. Just like you said, and we've discussed. But it is, it's paramount that they develop some sort of identity. I like the 3 and D style play. But they have to go in every night with teams being like, this is how this game is going to be played. We're going to play our way, and we're going to beat you our way. In the same manner, like you said, it just wasn't like that. They were just playing... However they need to play, playing to their opponent's level, whatever it was, mm-hmm. just to try to get by. That identity needs to be found because they can be a three or four seed if healthy and they have the identity. Dwayne Casey is that type of coach. He can put that team together. I think if the Pistons do get to that point, maybe we will be talking about a Pistons on Christmas Day. I think we will be at that point. Probably, no, we absolutely will be at that point. Probably in New York versus the Knicks. Of course. But at least they would be on Christmas At least it's on Christmas. Right. At least you get that little Christmas present, Detroit fans. I still don't know if Pistons fans would buy into that. I don't. I'm sorry. I. What proof do we have that they would? There's not enough energy around the team right now. There's not. There's no buzz. The off. If unless you're a real big time fan of the Pistons, sure the front office moves kind of kind of get your jollies going, but the actual product on the court, eh? I mean, 
the average fan is just not going to buy into it. You know, the only thing the Pistons have going for them is that over the last couple of years, they've gotten off to those hot starts, and then they've fallen off. And that's typically been because of an injury, Reggie Jackson, um, and, and just some lackluster play and things like that. But, um, you know, the only reason that fans might buy into it is that at Christmas, the Pistons actually could be relatively competitive. That That's fair. That's absolutely fair. Because I think they will be relatively competitive competitive at all points but i'm sorry man i just this city is not buying the pistons in general right now and i'm you're just not gonna i cannot see anything really that would spark that kind of interest unless they are the top one or two seeds in the east well here's what i want to know and i want pistons fans to take note of this you the listener to take note of this and i want you to let us know because this is something that we could come back to because i'm kind of dissing detroit fans pretty hard right now unintentionally because i'm a big time detroit pistons fan but i just don't think the fire's out there for the average fan aside from of course being a championship contender what do the pistons have to do to win back the fan base because the numbers indicate that the fan base is not there. There's some interest in the team. You're getting people down to Detroit, but I think there's also an equal amount of interest in checking out that new arena and maybe ticket prices will drop a little bit and wanting to get that feel. And Detroit's got a little bit more of a nice nightlife now again, so people want to go downtown. What do the Pistons have to do to earn back the the fanship of the people of Detroit and beyond? What do they have to do? Um you could tweet at us at Palace of Pistons. You could tweet at Ryan at Pay P A Y E underscore Ryan. You could tweet at myself at Media Brendan, and let us know. We want to know. Oh, we're curious. We're definitely curious. And again, as always, we talk about it. If there's anything that you want to hear us talk about on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Folks, it's obvious. It's the off season. It's a slow time of the year, no doubt. But we love talking Pistons. And if there's something that you want to bring to the table, we would love to hear from you. And we'll mention your tweet on air. Uh, feel free to shoot us a message. Shoot us a tweet. Let us know because we want to talk about what the fans want to hear. Throw us a topic, guys. We're all about you on this podcast. We want to know what you want us to talk about because we'll do it. We're here for you. We're not Tom Gores. We're, We're not, not trying to move the city. We're not move the community. We just want to be here for the Pistons fans. So again, you can tweet at us at Palace of Pistons at Pay underscore Ryan at Media Brendan. While you're on the social media, throw us a follow on Instagram at Palace of Pistons, and you're here on iTunes. You know what to do. Subscribe, rate, review, check out the website, palaceofpistons.com, and leave us that five star. We all know you want it. We all know that you're feeling that. Come way. on, you guys. You know you want to throw us that five-star. Leave us that review. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your neighbors. Spread the word. Palace of Pistons, we're taking over. We're going for it. Let everybody know. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 25 of the Palace of Pistons podcast. And, yes, we will see you next week. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.